Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you so much for tuning into Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. So today we are getting into Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Chapter 14. Woohoo! Snape's grudge. You know it's going to be bad with Snape. <laughs> After Sirius Black broke into the Gryffindor Tower, the whole castle was on high alert. Ron became an instant celebrity throughout the whole school because of his run-in with Sirius Black. He was happy to tell anyone who asked about what happened in great detail. I couldn't help but think about the fascination with those who have been in danger or had near-death experiences and came out on the other side. Why do you think so many students are now interested in Ron and what really makes him so much more interesting? Well, nearly surviving something that was really scary creates this adrenaline surge. And so when people talk to the individual that experienced it, they get that adrenaline surge too. And when we're not in danger, but we're talking about surviving danger, it creates a feeling of excitement. And so it makes sense that people want to talk to Ron because they want to experience that excitement of hearing about somebody's near-death experience while knowing that they're physically safe in the moment. <laughs> The reason that Sirius was able to get into Gryffindor Tower was that Neville lost his paper that had all his passwords on it. I had all the passwords to get into Gryffindor Tower. Professor McGonagall and Neville's grandmother are just furious with him. His grandmother even sends him a howler that just screams at him in the middle of the Great Hall. She tells him that he's a big disgrace to the family and everything. And I mean, everybody hears it. It's it's public humiliation. Well, and it's a known fact that Neville's grandmother was emotionally abusive to him. Yeah. She was horrible it, to him. It was rough. <laughs> poor, poor guy. Little, poor little dude. Why is it always me? Professor McGonagall bans him from future Hogsmeade visits and gives him detention and makes sure that no one gives him the password to the tower anymore. I get that he made a significant mistake that could have got someone hurt, but to be humiliated and punished the way that Neville did doesn't seem right. Why do you think I feel so bad for Neville in this situation? And what do you think would be a better way or a better form of punishment for him? We should all feel bad for Neville, and I don't think that Neville deserved to be punished. I actually think that Neville has some kind of either a learning disability or, you know, he certainly has some kind of an anxiety disorder without having evaluated him. I, I don't exactly know. It's possible that he might struggle with social anxiety, for example, and given how much he was abused by his relatives, emotionally abused anyway, and given the horrific trauma of his parents being tortured by Voldemort and now being in an asylum for the rest of their lives is understandably making Neville really nervous. But his memory struggles could be due to anxiety or it could be due to some kind of a maybe a learning disability or something else. We don't know. 
it seems that he was writing things down because he often forgot certain things, which we know that he struggled with forgetfulness. And I think that rather than punishing him, he should be evaluated to see what kind of support he might need. So if he does struggle with memory difficulties, then there needs to be some kind of a support system for him to help him remember or some somebody to, to help him with certain exercises. And so it's really disheartening that he was punished for something that it wasn't his fault. He created the sheet to help him remember, which a lot of us do, right? We might store our passwords, you know, some people do, and like some people store it on a sticky or the computer or their phone or whatever. And of course, these are not safe practices, but I think a lot of us do them. And so I think that this was a really unfair treatment. I think you're not the only one who feels bad for Neville. I think you feel bad for Neville because you have a big heart. <laughs> and I feel bad for him too. And I really think that the situation was mishandled. I think that McGonagall was mad that Sirius broke in. And I think she didn't know how else to react. But I think that unfortunately, she took out a lot of her fear and her frustration on Neville. Hmm. Poor Neville. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for him. Hagrid invites Harry and Ron to his hut for some tea. When they get there, Buckbeak is inside. Buckbeak's case is steadily approaching and Hagrid is trying to prepare to defend him. Hagrid gathered the boys, but Hagrid had ulterior motives to having the boys there. He gathered them there to plead with them to reach out to Hermione and rekindle their friendship. She's upset and she really misses them and she wants to see her friends again. How sweet is Hagrid for trying to help mend things here? <laughs> Hagrid is incredibly sweet and I think that he's probably been pretty lonely before Harry started school. Unfortunately, a lot of students either ignore him or maybe bully him like Draco does. A lot of teachers don't see him as an equal and he doesn't really have any friends really until Harry, Ron and Hermione show up and they befriend him. I think that in a lot of ways, Hagrid is like a big kid. His own childhood was stolen from him. He was never allowed to graduate from Hogwarts due to a false accusation that mm -hmm. Voldemort made against him. And yet no restitution was ever made. After the end of the Chamber of Secrets, his name was cleared, but he wasn't given his Hogwarts diploma. He wasn't allowed to finish his classes and he wasn't given his wand. And so it makes sense that after everything Hagrid has been through, he's going to be very loyal to his friends. And it makes sense that he would want to see them all together. Talk about a big heart. Oh, <laughs> we all need a Hagrid in our lives. <laughs> Hagrid. The next trip to Hogsmeade is coming up and Hermione runs into Harry and Ron and tells them that if Harry leaves the castle again to go to Hogsmeade, she's going to tell the professors that he has the Marauder's Map and how he's getting there. She is convinced that they're not taking the situation with Sirius seriously. Man, that's almost a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> Try saying that 10 times fast. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Hermione threatening Harry like this is her being a good friend? Absolutely. Uh, Harry's being reckless. 
he cares more about going out with his friends, which of course is important. And especially for a 13 year old boy, it makes sense that he wants to be out there with his friends and having candy and butterbeer. And at the same time, given what just happened with Sirius Black breaking into Hogwarts of all places, given how dangerous they believe Sirius to be, it doesn't make sense for Harry to go into Hogsmeade, a public place where Sirius could easily get to him. Yeah. Situation with Sirius, seriously. Situation with Sirius, seriously. Situation <laughs> <laughs> So when Harry is trying to enter the one-eyed witch's secret passage to get to Hogsmeade, he is approached by Neville, who is also stuck at Hogwarts for the password incident. Neville is obviously lonely and wants some company. He asks Harry if he would like to play some exploding snaps, and Harry, wanting to go to Hogsmeade, says he's on the way to the library to work on a vampire paper for Lupin. And Neville responds by saying that he hasn't finished his either and he could use some help and wants to go. And Harry then says he forgot that he already finished it. And then Neville responds saying, good, then you can help me with it. Poor Neville. <laughs> he just wants some kind of connection. Any kind of connection, it looks like. How do excuses like Harry's affect others? And is there a better way to tell someone you're busy without hurting their feelings and just blowing them off? Well, first of all, I think that poor Neville, like he really at this point doesn't have any friends. He sees Harry as his friend. Harry doesn't see him that way, though. And after everything that just happened with Neville's grandma and McGonagall, Neville is constantly fed this belief that he's inadequate, right? That he's not a good enough wizard, that he's a failure. And um, so many people already bully him and make fun of him, in addition to, of course, Snape and everybody else. And so he's trying so hard to spend time with Harry because Neville himself is lonely. And I think we've all been there, right? Mm -hmm. We've all experienced this, you know, really, like, really painful level of loneliness. And so this is Neville reaching out to someone he believes is his friend. And Harry keeps on blowing him off. I think that Harry's being quite selfish here. <laughs> and he should have spent time with Neville. And if he couldn't, I think the best thing he could have said is I just need to spend some time by myself or I just need to do something else right now. But how about we spend time tomorrow, mm. right? So what would have been much better is if Harry told Neville a truth or at least a partial truth that he's not available on that particular day, but to make plans with Neville and really spend time with Neville on a different day. Mm. That would be sweet. That's so sweet. So... Harry ends up ditching Neville with the help of Snape, actually. <laughs> and Harry finds a way to get to Hogsmeade through the One-Eyed Witch Passage and meets up with Ron in Hogsmeade. After browsing and shopping, the two head to the Shrieking Shack, the most haunted house in all of Britain or whatever. In the whole land. <laughs> Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle run into Ron. And they're discussing Buckbeak and Malfoy's glad that Buckbeak's going to die and all that stuff. And they see Ron and the bullies approach him and they start making fun of him. Harry is underneath the invisibility cloak and he pretends to be a ghost and torments Malfoy and his cronies. It's meant to be the most haunted building in Britain. Did I mention that? <laughs> Twice. Uh, do you want to move a bit closer? Huh? 
to the Shrieking Shack. Oh, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm fine here. Well, well, look who's here. You two shopping for your new dream home? Big grand for you, isn't it, Weaselby? Don't your family sleep in a uh, one room? Shut your mouth, Malfoy. Ooh, not very friendly. Boys, I think it's time we teach Weaselby how to respect his superiors. <laughs> I hope you don't mean yourself. How dare you talk to me? Filthy little mudblood. <gasps> Who is that? Do something! What? it's so funny the idea of a haunted house in the magical world is kind of just comical to me you know <laughs> these kids grow up around ghosts that are floating around their whole world and float through them and everything and and they're actually being taught by werewolves in their school <laughs> it just is funny why are they so afraid when they're constantly exposed to the supernatural the way they are the one thing I thought of is that at Hogwarts, the house ghosts are seen, right? And so the students are able to get to know them. They know what their personalities are. Even the Bloody Baron, who is the Slytherin house ghost, it's not the nicest ghost. It's still someone that students know and can see and can converse with. Mm -hmm. In this situation... Malfoy and Crab and Goyle are not able to see what's haunting them. And I think an invisible monster is always a lot scarier than the one that we can see. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of ones you can see, while Harry is having fun haunting Malfoy and his group of ne'er-do-wells, his cloak falls off his head for a brief second and Malfoy gets a glimpse of Harry's floating head. <laughs> By the time Harry gets back to Hogwarts, Snape summons him to his office. Apparently, Malfoy told on Harry, and of course, Harry denies everything. Snape obviously doesn't believe him and knows he's lying. Obviously. He insults Harry and then starts insulting Harry's father, James. It would appear that Snape's grudge is actually with James. Snape tells Harry that when they were in school, James and his friends played a bad joke on him, and this joke would have resulted in Snape's death. However, James got cold feet and stopped the joke. But after that point, James was considered a hero for saving Snape's life. I can see where this anger is coming from. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it's just a shame that he takes it out on Harry, you know. But why do some people sometimes take their frustrations out on others who have nothing to do with their anger? Well, displacement sometimes happens, right? So in this situation, James isn't there. James and his friends got away with doing something potentially dangerous, something that could have really harmed Snape. And James is then seen as a hero for changing his mind about harming Snape. That doesn't you know, that's not fair. And so it's understandable that Snape would be furious. And I'm not only saying that because Snape is my absolute favorite character of all time, but it's true. It really wasn't fair to him. So James no longer being alive 
and not being able to endure Snape's wrath, Harry is the closest thing to him. And we know that Harry looks a lot like his father, except that he has his mother's eyes. And so it makes sense that seeing someone who looks so much like James is really difficult for Snape. And so it, it makes sense that Snape is really upset whenever Harry's around, especially when Harry gets away with something. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get the frustration there. I really do. I mean, that's that's pretty messed up. <laughs> so this chapter ends with Hermione running into the boys again. And this time she has tears in her eyes. And she tells them that Hagrid lost the case and Buckbeak is going to be executed. And on that note, we're going to go ahead and end this episode of Harry Potter Therapy. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. If you've enjoyed the Harry Potter Therapy podcast, check out our other two podcasts, Superhero Therapy and Supernatural Therapy. For all of our listeners out there, we are sending out free signed copies of Dr. Scarlett's book, Harry Potter Therapy, an unauthorized self-help book from the restricted section. To enter the drawing, all you have to do is tweet about this podcast with the hashtag Harry Potter Therapy. We will choose one lucky listener every month to receive their free copy. Unfortunately, due to high postage costs, international listeners will not be eligible for this promotion. Stay safe out there, everybody. Stay kind, stay magical, and take care. The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening.